Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest team building podcast. This month's all about lead conversion. This is the month that makes you money. Last month was the stuff you put on social media where you talk about, look what I did. This is the month that pays your bills. Dana, can I get another marker from you when you get a second? This is the month that pays your bills, right? It's kind of like the what I equate it to is last month in lead, lead generation, and we talked about sphere, prospecting, internet, how to generate those leads, how to, because it's all about getting opportunities. Thanks, brother. It's all about getting opportunities. So last month was how do I generate opportunities so that my clients, or not my clients, my agents can win, okay? This month is what do, how do I convert those opportunities so that I can be profitable? Because we've talked about this before, right? And I know a lot of you struggle with this is, yeah, I do units, but I'm not profitable, right? I don't want you to be that agent who's on stage because they sold 500 houses, but yet don't make profit. Or you make this we hear all the time. Yeah, I sold 78 houses on my own, but I didn't want to be doing that and grinding out and working 60 hours a week. So I decided to make it uh, to create a team. Now I'm still working 60 to 70 hours a week, but I'm just making less money. Right? Believe me, that's what set us apart when we were at those shows and we got to be on stage and all this kind of stuff. Oh, you're number X because you sold 600 units. Then it was 730 units and all of this stuff. What made us different from our peers that were on that stage is that we were profitable. Every single team leader that we were up there with would be like, yeah, my team sells 450 units. And we're like, that's amazing, man. Number seven in the country. That's so cool. That's awesome. And like, yeah, but 127 of those were me. Right. And I'm like, whoa, you did 35% of your team's business. And they're like, yeah, and I'm still working 65 hours a week. Of course, Jeff loved it because he's like, oh, I work 10 hours a week. And I actually made more money than you. Right. Like from my real estate team. And at the beginning, it was shock. Then Jeff was proud. Then he almost felt like, why isn't everybody teaching them how to do this as well? It's kind of the, the evolution that we went through, right? And we're like, oh my God, if you're working that hard, you need to be more profitable. Just like we tell our agents. So many times agents are failed by leaders because they're grinding, they're doing all the stuff, but nobody's teaching them how to get to the finish line. And that's where we feel fail as leaders, right? Well, just the same way we're trying to teach you leaders is you're doing all the stuff. You're recruiting the agents, you're buying the internet leads, you're paying for all of this, you're trying to do training but no one's teaching them to get to the finish line. This is the finish line, lead conversion, okay? And this isn't just internet lead conversion, this is conversion across all lead sources, all right? Because we teach you, once the lead goes into that CRM, a lead is a lead is a lead. I don't care if it's Matthew's Aunt Susie or if it's Chris's internet lead he got from Craigslist. I do not care, they are treated the same. When it comes to lead conversion, it is hard but it's what's going to set you apart. It is what will allow you to set projections. 
Okay. Projections for income for conversion. Otherwise, you and your agents will be subject to the market. I'm a rock star and I'm the best agent there ever was. The market's just bad. Oh, guess what? I figured out how to be awesome again. <laughs> oh, you guys, the market's really tough right now, right? They take credit when the market's good. It's the market's fault when it's bad. It's not, it's just like the person who's selling their house. If the house sells fast, it's because my house is awesome, Owen. If my house didn't sell, it's because you suck at your job, right? We home buyers want to do that. Agents do the same thing. Any agent who does this does not control their business. They just work for the market. They don't even work for me. Okay. They work for the market. I haven't taught them yet how to be their own boss. So when it comes to lead conversion, we're going to talk about a few different things, but one thing I want to show you here, and I'm going to screen share, Dana, do you have to do the screen share or do I do that? Uh, awesome. Thank you. So what I'm going to show you guys, yeah, pull that up if you could, just the boomtown or just close that. So what I'm going to show you guys is we decided to, uh, back in 2020, when we started the brokerage, we retired our team, Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group. Then we did for two years, just building out the brokerage, setting up the processes, the systems, all that kind of stuff, creating indie offices, all of that. Everything that comes with creating a brokerage. Then we realized, and we knew this, we knew that the margins on creating a brokerage were about 3%, right? What's the joke? Brokerages go broke. And we knew that. We used to tell people that. We don't want to create a brokerage. The only reason we created a brokerage is because we wanted to get into the footprint of Keller Williams, right? So we did it, but we knew that teams have a margin of 20%, okay? We knew that teams were much more profitable to run than a brokerage was. So what did we do? We spent two years helping everybody else get set up. Then about four months ago, Jeff's like, hey, Andy, will you create a real estate team again? I said, excuse me, what now? And he said, just start a real estate team, get a few agents and start one here. He goes, there's going to be no better training than doing it alongside, right? The agents and teams that are in our office to say, yeah, it can be done, right? Again, we're teaching everybody how to do it in our office. Now we're going to do it right alongside them and show them. What does that do? Well, A, it makes us money, right? Because we know that that team will be more profitable than the brokerage. And B, the best, it will remove all excuses. Does that make sense? It removes all excuses like, wait a second, I can't, I can't create a team that's profitable. Why not? I'm doing it right now and I'm doing it part-time. Okay, so we wanted to literally show them as we were doing it. So we created a team. I think, we, we, I, think I know we have four agents, okay? It's not crazy. Of the, after those four agents, hey, John. Hey, Andy. Those four agents that we have on that team, we have done, look at my number to make sure I'm not lying. Yes, 14 transactions in the last three months, just from those four agents. 90% of those 14, approximately 12, I'm rounding, have been from internet leads, okay? I have total control over these agents, right? They, I meet with them on a weekly basis, I hold them accountable, I do all the things that we're gonna eventually do for our Powered By ERS clients. And so I just wanted to show you the difference between when it comes to conversion, not all databases 
and Kat hates it when I say this, so too bad she's not here, right? There's a difference between a database and a data bank, okay? A database is just a collection of information, names and numbers and email addresses. A data bank are people who have been engaged with and we're intentional about, okay? And so I just wanna show you this example of, this is an agent who's been with me for working leads like this for maybe six, six to seven months. And what I wanna tell you is, we know that the average lead convert, and I don't even care if it's from a boomtown or a sphere of influence, but the, it takes the average lead about six and a half months to convert, an, uh, to convert from going from entering the database to the closing table. So when you do this, your first six months is going to be your lowest conversion ratio of any time. Okay? Lowest conversion ratio is going to be your first six months. Your second six months is when it's really going to shoot up because of the average time it takes for them to convert. Then your third six months is where you really start to see about three to three and a half percent conversion, right? So it's gonna start out, because we all know the national average is 0.75%. That's actually worse than mailers. <laughs> mailers are at 1%, right? Your money would be better spent there. We've spoken to teams who are like, yeah, I don't even, I know we have leads coming in, but I don't even know where they're going. Right? So that's where you, you, you see how can somebody be converting at less than 1%? That's how. So what we've done is we've asked what's Karen to work these leads correctly, do everything we ask her to do. Do I have a mouse, Dana? Oh, it turned off on me. Hang on. There we go. So I'm going to move this. There we go. All right. So this is just, this is Karen. She's on our team. There we go. And I have pulled up her hot, her nurture, her watch, and her archive accounts. Hot is somebody who's ready, willing, and able to purchase in the next six or 30 to 90 days. Nurture is somebody who's uh, three to six months out. Watch is somebody who's six to 12 months out. Archive is somebody who's a year or more. Or I've never spoken to them, right? That's another one. So if we look at this, and I don't even care what the lead source is, this, and I sort all of these people that are in here by last visit. Look at all of these people who have chosen Karen's website to be the website that they are going to use. And you'll see it's all different categories. Watch, archive, nurture, hot, archive. And you see they're all coming back and using Karen's website. If I go all the way down, that's 50 leads that have been back in the last four days. Now, can you see this is a data bank, whereas a lot of people just have databases. Does that make sense to everyone? She is having massive engagement because every time Jeff Lang goes to look at a house, Jeff does it on Karen's website. Every time Sharon Felt goes to look at a house, she does it on Karen's website. The other thing I want to show you is, look at this. Am I at the top again? Yes. Do you see where it says 10 months? That's when this person registered. They were back on their website nine minutes ago. Three months ago, one hour ago, eight months ago, two hours ago, three years ago, nine hours ago, seven days ago, 11 hours ago. Karen has done the things we've asked her to do. And the number one thing we've asked her to do, other than that phone call to, uh, to talk to that lead and get them um, qualified with LP Mama, is to set this e-alert, okay? The e-alert is the number one activity that you can do to get people to come back to your website, okay? 
Now, the next thing that this talks about, look at that. Karen has 676 leads. And guess what? These are all leads. These are even the ones we're counting when we do our conversion ratios and our numbers. We're even counting wrong number, wrong email address, and the name is Mickey Mouse. We count everything, okay? We don't cherry pick certain ones. Well, we're converting 22%. Seriously? Well, yeah, that's just the people that we actually talk to. Okay? I don't want that number. I want the entire number because they're going to be part of it. But look at that. 50 people have been back on. That's just under 10% of her entire database has been on looking at houses on her website in the last four days. What if I go to the next one? I go top 100. I scroll all the way down. She's had 100 people on hers in the last eight days. Okay? This is impressive. I told Karen, she was, she was like, oh gosh, I just feel like I'm like, a, it's just things are slow right now. I have a bunch of people registering and looking at houses, but nobody's doing anything. And then she had a person just reach out to her who she put under contract last night for 750,000 cash buyer. And then she said, oh, by the way, I said, hey, did your deal go together? She goes, yeah, I went together. It's under contract now. Another one just set up an appointment with me for Friday. Do you see how Karen, her activities on a daily basis are setting her up to take advantage of opportunities? Now, the other thing I want to talk about is do you see how many of these are archive? A vast majority of them are archive, but they keep coming back to use Karen's website. For a, what people miss out, and Dana, can you screen share and go back to the group? Because I want to talk to them when we talk about this. A couple of chats. All right. Well, oh, okay. So how is she getting that much engagement? Was she assigned old ones or got from the pond account? And was this an e-alert setting up a search? Is that oh, they're manually set up? Okay, great questions. Let's start on one, two, three, and then I'll run into what I was going to say. How is she getting that much engagement? She, well, a lot of reasons, but she follows the internet lead conversion steps that we ask her to. And not only does she follow them and do what we ask her to do, I hold her accountable to doing so. And she knows that I check in on a weekly basis. It's not even weekly. That's false. I meet with her weekly and we go over it together. I check in random times. So she knows. I don't meet with Andy till Friday, right? I know what Andy's doing over his lunch hour while he's eating Chick-fil-A at his desk. Got nothing else to do. He's going to check my account. So he, I, they know that I know. Okay? So there's that. Uh, was she assigned old? Chris asked, was she assigned old ones or got from a pond account? Yes. So she, so what? Uh, another thing, and that's the pond account. So I want to talk about that in just a second, Chris, because that's going to be my larger conversation. So I'm going to go answer Leslie's. What's an e-alert? So an e, the difference between a drip email and an e-alert is this. A drip email is me sending out an email that literally just has words and text in it. Hey, Alan, looking to connect with you. Um, I saw, you know what I mean? Um, I know you've been looking at houses. Uh, I wanted to reach out and see what I could do to help you out with your real estate search. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Those drip, the drip emails. An e-alert is the listings that you are sending to a client. Now, your next question is, can that be set up automatically? Yes. I personally have turned that feature off for my agents on my team, okay? Because they will lean on it. And the and what happens is in Boomtown, I know they like to, to um, promote this, that it will do it for you. If Leslie comes in, registers on my website and starts looking at houses and I'm a lazy agent and I've never been taught to reach out and handle the leads the way we ask them to be hand or handled, then the system will say, I'll set something up for Leslie, right? Well, the problem is, is that they're almost worse than getting nothing at all. 
Because Leslie will look at a $100,000 house, right? As an investment property, maybe. Then Leslie will look at a million dollar house because who doesn't want to, right? And so then my account will send Leslie a, a, a search that just says homes in Omaha. Right? That's it. No personality, no nothing. It looks like spam. Like it's begging to be blocked. It will be sent to Leslie, and then it'll send Leslie everything in Omaha from 100,000 to a million. Omaha is maybe a little under a million people in the area. How many houses do you think Leslie's getting sent? And then it'll send it to her all the time. I have just allowed my system. I gave Since I didn't act, I gave my system the ability and permission to spam Leslie. What's Leslie going to do? She's going to opt out. Either delete it or opt out. God, I hope she just deletes it then at least I can keep sending. So what I do instead is I tell our agents, and this is the number one, and it's passive. It's not even picking up the phone, right? Now, it plays in conjunction with, because there are some agents who just do that, and they're horrible on the phone, and they still get engagement, but they don't get as much, right? It's kind of like, why were there so many people at my open house? Well, it's not the one thing. It's the 12 things that you did, just like this. It's not just that she set up an e-alert. It's that she did all the other things as well. So why is she getting a ton of engagement? It is because she's setting that e-alert up. She's being specific about it. She's giving them what they want, but not as much as they need. Does that make sense to everyone? So I might say, hey, and then I'm going to drop a voicemail that says, hey, Leslie, I saw you were on my website. You took a look at some houses. You were kind of all over the map. I'm literally going to have a conversation with Leslie based on what she did on my website. Her conversation with me is her actions. My conversation back is my voicemail. Leslie, you looked at about 11 houses and they were all over the place from anywhere from 100,000 to a million. But a majority of those were between four and 500,000 and they were in the Papillion School District. So I set you up on a search in the Papillion School District between four and 500,000 and I'm gonna send those to you twice a week to make sure you can stay on top of those because the last thing I wanna do, Leslie, is spam you because I have no idea what your time frame for purchase is. I'd love to find that out, so let me know when the best time to call you, Okay. Leslie going to answer the phone when I call her next time? No. Right? But Leslie might respond and say, hey, can you actually add Bellevue to that too? Right? Or Leslie doesn't respond at all. And Leslie comes back on and looks at houses. And now she's looking at houses in Elkhorn. And I see that. I call Leslie. Leslie again does not answer. I say, hey, Leslie, it's Andy. I saw you were looking at those houses in Papillion, but you also started looking in Elkhorn. So I took the liberty of adding that to your search as well. Do you see how Le Leslie and I are having a conversation, but it's Leslie's actions, my words. Make sense? That is how you get somebody eight months later to email where Leslie will email me and say, hey, Andy, I absolutely love that house you sent me. It's the yellow one. I looked at it last night at 8 p.m. Can we go set up a showing? And I don't know who Leslie is. So I look at my account and I say, oh, Leslie was a Craigslist lead from eight months ago who never picked up the phone. Leslie doesn't look at it that way. Leslie thinks we were having a, like a relationship, right? And I'm like, perfect, done. Leslie, how are you? And we talk like we're besties. This is why I think it was Chris asked about a Pond account. And I know some CRMs treat this and they do it in a way, and this was not supposed to be the entire conversation, but they do it in a way where they use the Pond account as a threat to their agents to work the leads correctly. Does this make sense to everyone? Oh, and if you don't work your leads correctly, I'm going to throw them in a pond account, right? But what team leaders or some CRM owners don't realize is that 
47 to 48% of your business is going to come from that archive. And I significantly decrease the chance of that happening if I don't keep the communication between Owen and that lead going. If I take that lead away from Owen and only allow him to have hot nurture and watch people, only the people who answer the phone, right? Owen's just going to go on to the next one, churn and burn. It's not the long game. And then this person who's coming back to Owen's website because they talk, they hear Owen's voicemails. They see Owen's name on the emails. They see Owen's name on the e-alerts. And then I take that away. And now I've got Alan, Chad, Derek, Peter, all reaching out, right? Now we've become like everybody else. So instead of using the pond account to become a threat to an agent to work their leads correctly, I'm just going to hold them accountable to working their leads correctly and allow them to keep their leads in their archive account so that that relationship can stay there. I want somebody to be in Owen's pond account for a year and a half, go to Alan's open house and tell Alan, oh no, we're already working with Owen when Owen has zero idea who they are because he has never talked to him. That's what I want. I want them just like you guys saw in that real life example. I, I mean, I figured I could just tell you guys and talk about it, but I thought, you know what? There's nothing better than showing you what we're actively doing. And there was no better, like I've done it so many times when it's like, Hey, yep, I'm going to get some agents. I'm going to give them some leads. I'm going to tell them how to do it. And then they're going to convert them. And wow, shocker, it happened again, right? In the last three months. And so to do it, I'm like, yes, this is how it works. And so when I, I thought, you know what, instead of just telling you guys, I'm just going to show you a real life example. And so that's why she's getting a ton of engagement. Now, do I limit how many people my agents can have in their all active accounts? hundred percent. Because Michelle knows as, as well as anyone, if I have a finite time, I'm going to prospect for 10 hours this week, right? And all you guys are like, I wish my agents prospect for 10 hours every week, but we're going to use that number because it's easy to work with. 10 hours this week, and I have 100 leads in my all active. Every lead's going to get each week, they're going to get 10 full minutes of my time. Is that right? Did I do that number right? 100 people, 10 hours. I probably did it way wrong. Anyway, but they're going to get a, a, a good amount of time. Well, if I have 300 leads in my all active, I just cut everybody's time in a third. So now, instead of just working on people who are in my bottom row, Michelle, Ford, Cindy, Sean, and Owen, and making sure that I'm taking great care of them. I'm now just giving a couple of minutes to everybody on the screen. Now, I'm not going to convert anyone. I'm not giving that bottom row enough time to convert, nor anybody else. Right? It's kind of like saying, what's 100% of nothing? What's more, 100% of nothing or 10% of, of a million? Right? So we need to make sure that they understand those things. And I know that leads are just not going to answer. I know that. Because the average conversion is six months, six and a half months out. So that's where we, that's why we handle it the way we handle it. I am a, now do we have a pond account, Chris? After saying all of that, we do. That pond account is only for leads that have been with other agents who have decided to leave the team or the brokerage. Okay. Those are that ones. And we will bring those leads and I will take those leads out after the agent leaves the brokerage and I will put them in the pond account. Then, of course, we hire, we do two things. We hire a virtual assistant to work on that account because we have like 80,000 leads in that account. We hire a virtual assistant to reach out to those leads four hours every day, Monday through Friday. And then they will put notes in. And while I'm work, while she, while she is working that account, she talks to Derek, right? And Derek's, and Derek's like, yeah, actually, I would love it if I could maybe set up a showing or if I could get in touch with the lender. Do you have any of that information? Virtual assistant's like, you know what? 
I'm going to send you over to Leslie. Why? Because Leslie's on lead day today. So when you see somebody who's been working leads for on the team for like eight months, but they have somebody from two years old, it's because that virtual assistant was working the pond account. They rose their hand for whatever reason and then got transferred over because they were on lead day that day. Okay. And so that's where you'll see that. But because even the agent who left was doing the right things, they were still engaging with our website. Does that make sense? And so we are still benefiting from the agents who have left us because they handled the leads right and we had expectations. Okay. The other thing is I personally go in on my lunch break while I'm eating Chick-fil-A and every once in a while, and I'll just pull up our pond account and I'll go through and remember the now wall, everybody familiar with it. A lot of CRMs have it. They just call it something different, but it's who's doing something on the website. Did somebody calculate a mortgage? Did somebody request a showing? Did somebody print out a flyer? Did somebody do whatever favorite a house? I will go through those and every day, not every day, that's false. Every other day I will go through and say, Oh, this guy named Ford favorited a house and actually looked at it three times in the last 24 hours. That's some interest to me. I'm going to transfer that over to Leslie, right? Or I'm going to transfer that over to Alan. And they know that if they get a lead transferred over midday like that, they're on it right away. Okay. So that's just a little bit of those types of things that how we handle our accounts when we do that. Hi, I'm Jeff Cohn, host of the Team Building Podcast and founder of Elite Real Estate Systems. We've been using Dotloop for almost 10 years and taking advantage of the Dotloop for Teams and Showing Time Plus platforms. We're really excited about all of the innovative products that Dotloop's going to be rolling out. To find out more about that, go to growwithers.com and click on Tools. Uh, can you scroll up a little bit, Dana? There's some questions I want to get to before I jump into my next thing. I have done so much business from leads I have never spoken with who end up reaching out to me. Yeah, Lindsay, it is. The problem is, is that, and I just, I, like, I have these conversations on a weekly basis because it's always new people. And they'll say, oh, I just got lucky this month. You didn't get lucky this month. Let, Lindsay didn't get lucky with those leads. Lindsay had done things in the past that he just didn't track, right? Or he did track and he knew exactly what he did. And then they don't know how to replicate it. I never want to hear I got lucky, Right. You either did something to cause that, that you didn't track, that you didn't even know caused it, or guess what? Oh, I just had a bad month. I was unlucky. You weren't unlucky either. You just didn't do the right things or you were spending your time doing the wrong things. Okay. You get the credit and the blame. And too many times they just don't know how to track it. All right. So, so how often are people calling the archives? We have the virtual assistant just goes through anybody calling the archives. Oh, sorry, that's the pond account. If it's an agent's archive, like your archive, Owen, we want them to be reaching out every three months. Every three months. But I always tell them, you don't have to wait three months, right? Just sort, just go to your archive, sort last visit, and you got 25 people who've been on your website in the last 24 hours. Start calling them. And what do you do if they don't answer? Leave a voicemail that says, hey, Sean, I saw you were looking at houses. I know that your time frame is more than a year out or I've never had a chance to connect with you, but I want to make sure that I can make it as easy as possible for you to find houses that are active. Can I adjust your search for you? Easy. Always stay in touch. Okay. Uh, Matthew says, do you keep a higher percent split for the lead converted by the virtual assistant? No, we do not. And what does the VA do the other four hours of the day? She works for another company. She works for the mortgage company that we own actually. So, but great question. Yep. Um, and then, and it's a virtual assistant from the Philippines. Just so you guys know, we used to work for a thousand calls a day, the company that Jeff used to own. And she was so amazing that we just hired her ourselves. 
Okay, uh, next question. We closed a deal last night from an internet lead we have been incubating for two years. I love it. That should be the norm, like all the time norm, right? That should be the average, not the average, that's the wrong term to use. But that should, I want it to be where that isn't something that is out of the ordinary. If you do this right, that should happen all the time. So I love that, Lindsay. Thank you for sharing. And it's not because you got lucky, right? It's because you did the right things. Uh, we Okay, that was that one. Owen, are there any other features of Boomtown that you could share that could help, help us make better follow-up attempts? Probably. <laughs> so yes, um, that we could do a whole... And I do that training. I just don't do it for you guys. I, I have a training that's literally Boomtown 2.0 is what we call it, where it's all the other stuff that Boomtown does that's not just the basics. And we have it and we do it for the agents on a Monday training. Um, so I, I guess I would say that, you know what I mean? You could go back and watch that. Plus, maybe one of these weeks or months when we have a fifth week, I could just do a, hey, here's CRM training, right? If you guys would like that, that's something I could do as well. Okay, so one other thing, because I know we've kind of been going Q&A back and forth that I wanted to talk about <clears throat> is your agents know this, but I want to make sure you guys are reiterating it to them. Face-to-face -face is uh, what separates you from everybody else, okay? We just talked about all the not face-to-face -face stuff. Face-to-face, -face, and I'm going to say the percentage, and you guys have heard me say this a hundred times, allows you to be 78% more likely to get to work with them. The problem is, is that we are not aggressive enough at getting face-to-face. So if I'm talking to Sean and Sean tells me that he's six months out or 12 months out, I don't care if Sean's four months out. Sean and I are meeting. Okay. We are meeting face-to-face. -face. If I can get somebody to use my website who I've never even spoken to and come back on a daily basis and use my CRM, how light, and they'll still work with me, how likely do you think I'm going to get Sean to work with me if I actually met with him face-to-face, -face, even though he's two years out? Right? We're so everybody's like, oh, yeah, they were too far out, so I didn't meet with them. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right? We had an agent on our team who used to be on our team who was so good at this. We had to create a new, uh, a new um, what do you want to call it? A new folder for him because everybody knows what coming soons are right? For a listing. Like, hey, we're not ready. We're going to shop it privately as a pocket listing. And they're getting staging and pictures done. But we're going to try and generate some interest on it before and see what we can sell it for, right? So that the day it does go live, I've got five offers. We all know what coming soon is. Well, we had for him, we had to start coming laters. Anybody who was going to sell their house in the next 24 months, he was doing a listing presentation with. Getting the listing contract signed, it just wouldn't go live for another 18 months, right? Now, we started getting so many of those that we had to create a whole separate thing for him because he would have like 15 coming laters. Then, and Jeff, you probably realized this, is he was getting so many and then agents were reaching out, right? Because agents prospect and they would call Michelle and they'd be like, hey, Michelle, my name is Andy Cuny. I'm calling everybody in the neighborhood to see if you're thinking about selling. Oh, yeah, we are. We're actually going to sell next summer. Oh, that's amazing. I'd love to set up a meeting. Oh, we've actually already signed. And we would get agents that are like, what? You've already, what do you mean you've already signed for next year? Doesn't make, right? Doesn't make sense. So then they complained to the real estate commission, which this tells us we're doing things right. They would complain to the real estate commission and the real estate commission came down and said that they were putting time limits on how long before going live, you could have the listing paperwork signed. And it's a whole thing. So anyway, I say all that to tell you, right? 
face to face. I don't care. I, people are like, yeah, they're not going to buy for eight months. So I didn't think it was worth uh, setting up a showing. Are you kidding me? I could care less that they buy the house. I show them. I need 20 minutes with them face to face. That's all I need. 20 minutes with them face to face and we're winning. Yeah. You know what? These people have bought before. So I just said, yeah, whenever you see a house, let me know. I'm like, no, I bring them in and I do an, a buyer orientation. I did a buyer orientation for friends of mine who I have happy hour with on a weekly basis. And I did a buyer orientation with them in the office. They need to see me as a professional, not just Andy, who is really cool and love to hang out with and worth my free time. They need to see me as a professional. And what did I do? I talked to them as if they were any other buyer. And I went through the cost sheet and educated them. They've lived all over the St. Louis, Minneapolis, somewhere in Texas, now Omaha. They've lived all over Lincoln. And they said, we've, we bought houses like five or six times. We've never had anybody even go over a cost sheet with us. And I was like, are you serious? And they were like, yeah. Well, the only time we ever see something like that is at the closing table when the lender's going over it with us. And I'm like, oh. And they're like, do you do this with everybody? And I was like, yes. Right? And so we are wasting opportunities because we choose to be like, I'm only going to go after somebody unless they're ready, willing, and able right now. The problem is we're not taking advantage of these opportunities to make people ready, willing, and able right now. Okay? You need to, and I don't care if you're going to get a coffee and they're two months or and they're two years out. I always ask Michelle, and I'm just picking on you, Michelle. This is not you personally, but I'll have an agent named Michelle say, well, yeah, I didn't want to because the, they didn't have a pre-approval yet. Or they didn't, you know, or they hadn't talked to a lender yet. So I wasn't going to, because I've been taught to protect my time. I said, I love that. How about using your time? What do you mean? Well, what did you do instead of going for that appointment? Um, and then it's just silence. I'd be like, if you're so busy that you can't go on that appointment because you have too many other people who are fully pre-approved, then I understand. But if you're not going on that appointment, but then not replacing that with any other time, you're going to spend a bunch of time trying to get an appointment that you just turned down. What are we doing? Right. And I always tell people, if you hate going on appointments with somebody who's not fully approved, then be so busy that you have the ability to turn that down. But don't come to me saying I, I turned it down because the client wasn't perfect. I'm coaching some loan officers now and I'm starting to hear that as well, right? I'm not interested unless they're, unless they're ready, willing and go and, and hand it to me on a, on a platter. No, you need to go make them ready, willing and able to go. You want them to be the person they announce when they walk into an open house and say, sorry, Owen, I'm working with Andy. I met him face to face two years ago. He took me out for coffee and told me, educated me on what the buying process is like. And he stays in touch with me every month. They're going to feel like they owe Owen or they owe me. Sorry, Owen. Sorry. Can't get them. They're mine. I'll give them to you for a referral though, brother. Okay. So, but do we understand that? How we have to make sure that we are consistently doing these things. Face to face is number one. I don't care if we're set. Just think of it. And you can call us, say coming laters. You don't even have to listen. It could be a buyer buying later. How many clients do I have? Right? How many people do I have? And make sure that they understand that. Okay. Um, the next thing is with our lenders, get work with your lending partners to get them fully approved. It's the same thing. Sean's much more willing to work with me. If I sit down and do a buyer orientation, show him a house, meet with him face to face, educate him. 
they're much more likely to stay working with me and to work with my lender partner if my lender partner gets them fully approved. If I fill out an app on Ford that Ford sends me in an email with a link on it, or I sat down with Lindsay and Lynn and I, and Lindsay asked me to get him my, uh, two years tax returns, two months pay stubs, everything else. Who am I more likely now to work with? It's Lindsay all day, every day, right? So we want to make sure it's the same uh, type of strategy when working with an agent. Now, the other nice thing is if I can get them to get fully approved and go through underwriting with Lindsay, now they say, I hear this a lot too. Well, we don't do that anymore because we don't see multiple offers as much. You still don't think it gives me leverage if I go in to negotiate with Alan and I tell him my people have been fully approved, gone through underwriting. The only thing we need is for your house to appraise, Alan. Seems to me like the ball's in your court, right? If Because somebody's going to say, because people do this all the time. Well, we, we, we want a higher earnest deposit. We want it non-refundable. And we want you to pay 8000 more because we're not sure that your financing is going to go through. And my buyers don't want to take their house off the market and deal with you just in case your, your financing falls apart. It's not an issue for my clients. So now I can get my clients a better deal. And now I'm going to educate my client, Owen, and tell him, Owen, this is why I want you to get fully approved because it gives me leverage when I'm dealing with Alan. And Alan's a hard ass to negotiate with. And I need this when I go into it. I'm doing this for you. This helps me. If we go through all of that, what are the chances Owen works with somebody else? And guess who else is going to appreciate it? If I'm pushing this, my lending partner. My lending partner is going to bend over backwards and say, absolutely, man, I'll get all your people done. So we have to make sure that we are doing those things. It's all about face-to-face. The more that I can get in front of somebody, and every time I do it, the less and less the, the chances that they're not going to end up working with me. And the same thing goes for our lending partners as well. Okay? So we've got to make sure every opportunity we have, if we have the time, is to meet with them face-to-face. If you keep doing that, you will create opportunities that are ready, willing, and able to close and work with you. And then you get to be pickier on your business. But you have not, a lot of our agents haven't earned the right to be picky yet. Right? I've even had an agent who yelled at me one time. And this was, gosh, back in like 2015. When, I, when things didn't sell in two days, right? You'd actually have a listing on the market for like a month. And it was normal. And... She said, she goes, I can't believe you're being so difficult to negotiate with. I said, well, what do you mean? I said, I'm fighting for the best interest of my clients because I know what they can get. And I know what, what, they're, what they, they are due on this home. And she goes, I, I just don't understand why you won't help me out here. And I said, I, it's not my job to help you out. It's my job to work for my client. And you need to be doing the same thing. And she said, you're just being tough because you have so much business. You don't care if this closes. And I said, and you are being the exact opposite because if this does, doesn't close, it really affects you. So my advice to you would be you'd be able to serve your client better if you were so busy, you were okay if the deal didn't come together. You'll be able to negotiate at a much better position for your client than the other way around. And it didn't go well. <laughs> she didn't care for that. And actually what happened, this is side note, and this won't happen every time, but she yelled at her client. I think she was under some stress. Her client called me and said, would you be willing to just work this deal both sides? <laughs> and I said, of course. Right. And I did it. And I actually then referred it to an agent because I don't like doing dual agency. 
So I referred it to an agent on my team and my, an agent on my team helped them. But do you see what I'm saying? How you get to control your business. Okay. And I want, I tell Karen when she looks at her database, Karen, I want you to be so busy, right? That you get to pick and choose who you're reaching out to. And then you can leverage yourself and we can hire another agent that you can have a referral partner with. That's what I want for you. Right. Paul, another agent on our team. Uh, some of you guys know that because Paul holds your agents accountable on the weekly accountability meetings. Right. So Paul is, he'd been in real estate for like two years and just kind of doing okay. Like, Oh, I did 10 deals. Oh, I did 15 deals. Well, last year he came to me, he made six figures for the first time ever last year. He was like, he goes, I made six figures for the first time. And I've never worked that, like that little, like it was crazy. And he was like, he goes, I'm whatever. He's like, I'm down. I'm in, I bought in. Let's just do this. Right. And so it's amazing when you tell somebody to do something and then they get the result, how much they will believe in you. But guess what? I can't just tell Owen to do something and then hope Owen does it and then blame him if he doesn't. I need to hold him accountable to doing that as well. And if you do that with your agents, these types of things, you'll start to get that. We call it the moment of clarity where Owen does stuff because I tell him to do stuff. Then Owen's going to start doing stuff because he believes it's what will help him the most, not just because I told him. That's when they start to, right? Release them into the wild and they become amazing agents. Once they get to that point, that's when they really take off. Okay. It's the same thing when we talk about the five levels of management, right? Level one is positional management where I'm above Lindsay. So Lindsay has to do what I tell him because I'm Lindsay's boss and the hierarchy or the, the org chart says so, right? Well, as we keep going up, Lindsay does it because he believes in my leadership and Lindsay believes I have his best interest at heart, right? Those are very two different types of leadership. So we have to, a lot of times team leaders, and this is kind of off the subject, but we're into Q and a now anyway, a lot of time, team leaders or agents who are awesome, they were level five leaders for their clients, right? Ford's a level five leader when it comes to his clients. They will follow him to the end of the earth, do whatever he says, because they know Ford has their best interest at heart. But a lot of times team leaders will get in trouble is guess what? Ford decides I need leverage. I want to create a team. And now Ford starts leading agents. Ford has to understand, and I believe he has, that he now is a level one leader for all those agents, right? He has to start over. Every time somebody new comes in, I'm a level one leader again. I have to, both sides, we have to build that together. A lot of times people in Ford's position will come in and say, I'm a level five leader already with my clients. I'm a level five leader with you. And that is not true. And then they wonder why there's a disconnect, right? Okay. That was more of a, man, we do, we went the opposite way. Instead of going big picture and diving in narrow, we went narrow and came out to big picture. Eh, we did it backwards today. I like it. All right. So, um, uh, Dana, there's one thing in the chat and then go ahead, guys. If there are any questions for Q and a, let me know a couple things in here. Okay. Are there any other, yeah, we talked about that. We go back and watch the archive. Do you remember? Oh, no. Um, literally type in though. I think we named it boomtown 2.0 for that. Owen, that will help you find it. If not, uh, do CRM best practices might be another one, right? But it's going to be under that. Jeff Hardy, I meet with buyers every day that will be ready to purchase within five hours or five years. We need to set a plan today, no matter what the time frame. Absolutely, Jeff. I love that. Uh, Sean says, are you leading? 
Are you leading or are you following? We need leaders in real estate, period. Love it, Sean. And then Lindsay says, this is such a strong message. I love it. But here's the deal, guys. It's all about, we believe it's a strong message. Now we have to get the people who are choosing to follow us, right, to believe that message as well. And here's the hard part. Everybody's going to hear it a little bit differently. Number of uh, quick fire questions. Number one, is there no training next week, Monday, Wednesday? Because on the ERS calendar, there, nothing's populating for Monday and Wednesday. So do you know anything about that? There, oh, no, there is training. Um, I will ask Catherine about that. That's probably just an error. There's going to be training Monday and Wednesday. Absolutely. Great question. Thank you. Quick fire number two is uh, following up on our conversation yesterday. I'm, I'm going to be onboarding uh, some uh, lead team members as of next week. Do you have any quick resources outside of the live Monday, Wednesday training that you'd recommend plugging them into? And they're mostly new agents, like zero to six deals in their career. Perfect. So one thing is they have to read. That's one thing. So, oh, that was a question. Cause you were talking about lead team members versus full team members, full team members. I require to read. They have to read. They always have to be reading a book. So all of my team members are reading a book. I don't require it to be the same book. I know that we do. We used to do as a group used to be, Hey, the whole team's going to read this book, but then you run into it. It's like, Oh, half the people have read it and they're going to read it again. Blah, blah. I don't care. I want everybody reading a book at all times. If it's a brand new agent, the books that are great for brand new are seven levels of communication, the one thing, and um, uh, the people who are actually going to be on your full team would be the five dysfunctions of a team. If you can get those three those three books early on, it's amazing. But, and 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 for like for just lead team, like in terms of PRS um, resources to get them like up to snub oh. on how to convert online leads, for example. Yep. How to convert online leads. There is a, it's on the drive, but if you can't find it for any reason, just email me. We have a, we have two, we have, um, a, like two or three pages and it gives you a paragraph of how to handle each lead based off of category, new qualify, nurture, hot watch, right? Archive. And then we also have one for our high D's or high S's and it's a flow chart with colors. <laughs> so they'll be like, Oh, I'll do that. I won't do the thing where I have to read all the stuff. So we have both of them. So just um, go ahead and download those. And we give those to every agent who's working leads. And awesome. just a heads up, you'll have to give it to them two or three times. Yeah, that I know. And final right. question, given that you're, you said something very interesting. Can you give us an idea of what your uh, team leader schedule looks like? You said you're building a team part-time. I'm very curious as to what your uh, time management on that looks like. Yep. So when it's just time blocked out time, it is, a, I do a half hour one-on-one. -on -one. That will probably go down if the team increases in size. But currently, I do a half hour one-on-one -on -one with each agent individually. And then I do an hour's worth of training in addition to the Monday-Wednesday trainings that I require them to go to. So they are, they are required to go to Monday trainings. They're required to go to Wednesday trainings. They're required to meet with me for a half hour each week. They're require, required to be in office on their lead days, working the leads as they come in on their scheduled lead days. And then they are we have a team meeting for an hour every week. And so they're there and I do that. Basically, I want to um, the training to be specific to their business because I meet with them for a half hour. Then I cater the training that week based off of what I found out during their half hour one on ones. Right. It can be a little bit different training. It doesn't have to be a training where I have to feed 100 people on an agent training. I can feed those four and I know what they're what they need for training, if that makes sense. And so what, are are for, what are you doing for what are you doing for recruiting? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing any, it's literally right now because I am purposefully being very cognizant. I do not want to recruit from the brokerage. 
because I am not in competition with the brokerage. And I've had agents reach out to me from other teams and say, hey, and I'm like, you know what? I think that's something you should talk to your team leader about. And if your team leader wants to come to me, I'd be happy to help them figure out a solution as well. But I don't want to take from them. And right now I'm good with four because here's the deal. I'm doing that to show as an example for the agents here. And yes, it's more profitable than the brokerage is, just that team of four agents. But my main focus is powered by ERS and our ERS clients. So my goal is to find a special talent within that team and hand the team over to them eventually. That is not my long-term thing. This is literally, I just wanted to show all the people that are in our world at KW Elite. Yes, it can be done. And there's no reason why you can't do it as well. So is that a goal of mine to build a team out? No. It's to show them, yep, guess what? Told you we could do it. We just did it. Go do it yourself, please. So absolutely. I'm not trying to make this into a thing. Final question, I swear, with four agents, lead flow distribution, how does that work? Of, uh, you know, you're not going to have a lead day per week for each agent with 30 leads, right? So how are you working that? Uh, I actually am oh. giving a lead. I'm giving them each one lead day each week. With yep. 30 leads per lead day? Yep. Awesome. Yep. And here's the deal. And they're, and the only reason that I'm allowing that is because I have such tight control over them and I can hold them accountable to doing those types of things. Right. It's hard for me to give more leads than 30 leads a month or per day per month to each agent. If I don't have total control, right. If Owen were is on somebody else's team and I don't control Owen's schedule or Owen's time, it's hard for me to do that. Right. But if I know that I have these agents that are like, yep, I know I'll work them. And you saw Karen's. Karen gets four lead days a month and she's still every airtight, right? Now I'm cool with that. And the minute that anybody does it, I just pull back the leads. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great questions, Matthew. Okay, everybody. Blame Matthew for taking up all the Q&A. <laughs> I love it, Matthew. I appreciate it, man. Okay, so I hope everybody has an amazing, I can't believe it's Thursday already this week. Um, if you have any more questions about Powered by ERS, just reach out to Catherine or myself. We'll schedule a call. Uh, it's about a 45 minute Zoom call. We'll go through everything with you guys. It's just a uh, informational call. So you can find out if it's even something that's right for you. Um, but I hope everybody has an amazing weekend. Please enjoy it. And I look forward to seeing everybody next week. And yes, let your agents know there is training on Monday and Wednesday. So I, I apologize for that. Thank you for bringing that up. All right, guys, have a good one.